Welcome to episode 17 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is the show where each week we read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that debuted on March 30th. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and Moon Knight-related news. My name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good buddy Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey there, Dwayne. Hello, everybody. It's uh, another good week. We uh, we get to talk about the upcoming episode three of the Disney Plus show. And then we're going to move over and talk about Marvel Now Moon Knight Run, which was published in 2014 to 2015. This is the seventh volume of Moon Knight, and it lasted 17 episodes, or 17 issues, excuse me. Uh, Declan Shelby and Greg Smallwood each drew six beautiful issues during this run, and Moon Knight is both returned to his roots and reinvented. Lots lots of interesting yep. stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, but we should talk about the, uh, the, the Moon Knight news, the MCU news, and... and First off, episode two came out this week. It's available to stream on Disney Plus. We shared our thoughts on episode six on the show on episode sixteen of this podcast. So if you did not catch that and want to hear our thoughts, go check out that episode. Uh, we have another QR code that showed up during the episode uh, on the storage locker for for Mark Spector, and it takes you to Marvel.com and Werewolf by Night number thirty three. So you get the second half of the uh the two-part first appearance of moon knight uh from his original appearance in 1975 and also and this is unconfirmed someone might just be lying to me i tried to do the qr code but wasn't able to get it uh to get it to go off my computer and i haven't had it on the big screen but there's rumors that there's also a qr reflection in the scene in episode one on the the case that him and the girl are looking at Okay. And then if you take that QR code, you get the first appearance of Blade, which is Tomb of Dracula. Oh, really? I had not heard about that. So check that out. It may or may not be truth. The internet has lied to me before. It yes. lied to me again. So, but the, anyway. the, but the internet also thinks that Moon Knight was the first MCU character to drop the F-bomb during episode yeah, two. I, I hear about this. Um, I kind of looked at it. It is... If, if so, it was definitely in a flurry of stuff to where it's a, you've got to be listening for it to get it, but yeah, it would possible. be very near the, yeah, <laughs> very near the end of the episode. Uh, it is Mark Spector talking to Stephen Grant as the reflection uh, in the, after, <clears throat> after he kills the jackal and stuff. So if you want to take a look for that, look for that and, and, and you make the call if that was the the, the first official f bomb in the MCU. There's a lot of noise going on, but yeah, uh, it's possible. So we we've got we with the show being as popular as it's been, we're now seeing a lot of merchandise coming out. There's a bunch of Funko uh, figurines that are coming out in the next few months. One of them is really cool because it's got like the a Moon Knight. Uh, number 28 cover as well as the little funko statue which looks really cool and there's a, a regular moon knight in the in the, like the Kanshu uh uh garb and then there's a mr knight there's an arthur harrow there's a keychain version there's all that sort of stuff so if you're into moon knight and you're into all sorts of 
uh, merchandise and stuff opportunities. Those are those are coming very soon. I had not seen. I, I was thinking they'd done the first appearance, but yeah, that's the third appearance of Moon Knight in uh, Marvel Spotlight twenty eight. Cool. Yes. So I, I actually have ordered this. My daughter's a big fan of, of Funko Pops. I myself have never previously bought a Funko Pop, but okay, this this one I pre-ordered. Do you know it takes like months and months to get these things? I'm, <laughs> it I'm does, not, it can it can take a little while. Yes, it I'm, definitely I'm, can. I I have a few scattered throughout I my house, that. and 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 so yes, they're they're. They're they're fun. They're great. I like them quite a bit, and and so happy to see that that our that that our man Moon Knight is now getting uh, immortalized in Funko. I think there were a few other ones in the past that are available, like on eBay and stuff, but they're super expensive. Oh, and yeah. they, they were limited editions and whatever. So there we go. So there's also some uh, videos on YouTube that that, that you found clips. Upcoming yeah. in the show? It looks like they're, they're upcoming previews, but they're small. Like, relatively 15, 30-second type things. Uh, the one thing that I would note is that the Truth one, which we'll link them in the show notes, actually does give a better view of what could be a pretty big spoiler in that it's a view of, essentially, Oscar Isaac standing in this sort of white hallway, looks very sanitary, like it's a hospital or, um, you know sanitarium or something like that so again looks like they may be leaning into an upcoming series on some things and so we'll we'll see how that goes but yeah there's one called truth one called perfect and then they also uploaded a little vignette that essentially they're asking is moon knight a hero to some of the various characters so you might want to stop out take a look at that see what uh see what they think about that and and get your opinions on it as well i am I did watch that one. I did not watch the other two because I was worried about a possible spoiler. But yeah, it was basically just ask Marvel via Twitter a bunch of questions that they then posed to, uh, you know, uh, May Callumway, Kalamaui, Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke uh, about the character, their characters they play, the other characters that they're interacting with and that sort of thing, including Is Moon Knight a Hero? And, and I know I to... Uh, I don't remember which one was. I think it was Oscar Isaac that said he he's not a hero, but during the course of this series, he does something heroic, which is mm-hmm. I, I guess I I think that's a great description of Moon Knight. Actually, when you think about it, because it's like the some of the, the things that he's done over the course of his uh, career that I've I've read so far feels like maybe he's not really full on hero but he does do some heroic things from time to time and does does try to be the hero sometimes he's working on it yeah he's working on it so there we go what should we discuss in uh in in paper news about moon knight so there's not a whole lot in paper uh basically there's two things i guess i'd like to talk about the first is um last week talked about a quick recommendation um a couple folks noted that was kind of interesting so gonna do another one of those and then there was a an article published actually out on comics sf uh comics um xf this week that i think we kind of want to discuss a little bit about so uh the first thing is um as far as the recommendation did did any of you know they just killed off stephen strange in the marvel (laughs) universe so 
thought I had seen something, but I thought I must be mistaken because there's like a movie coming out in like two it's weeks. A pretty big movie coming out. And for whatever reason, they decided to kill Stephen Strange and kind of replace him about two weeks before the brand new movie starring the character comes out. And this sort of thing drives me nuts. Um, you know, it, it just seems like it's an odd choice in terms of if you're a comic company that could leverage all of this massive publicity coming from these movies, why are you not kind of making at least it a little easier for this bridge to be there for people, right? <laughs> uh, so what happened is Dr. Strange dies, Stephen Strange dies saving the world, and his wife, Clea, uh, who's actually already the, the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension, now takes over as the Sorcerer Supreme of the main Marvel dimension as well. The story is written by Jed McKay, who's also the guy currently writing Moon Knight. Uh, I really am enjoying it. There's two issues out so far. If you're a fan of the Moon Knight run and McKay's writing, you may want to give it a, uh, the new comic a try. It's called Strange. They canceled the old Doctor Strange and started a new one uh, about a month ago. And because of that, you should still be able to find number one in stores and then catch up with number two if you'd like to. So, but yeah. Well, you got to go killing off Doctor <laughs> Strange right before the Doctor Strange movie. It's just weird. All right. Which actually in some ways dovetails into some of my complaints in terms of the article that we're going to talk about. Because there was an article that was published on Comics XF this week um, that essentially makes the contention that it really doesn't matter what comic books do most people are just never going to be comic fans anyways and I actually went out and and snipped a little bit of the article out on um, and and then posted something on it earlier this week I just want to read kind of what it was that they'd said and then we can talk about this a little bit so in the, in the middle of the article, uh, they say, I don't want to try to speak to that wider audience of moviegoers here, uh, essentially, or persuade them to read this comic. After 14 years of the MCU, it's become very clear the vast majority of people who enjoy those movies and TV shows, even the vast majority of superfans, the ones that build their sense of self on their consumption of the Disney Corporation's entertainment products, are not willing to read a comic book. It doesn't matter how good the comic is, it doesn't matter how accessible the comic is, it doesn't matter how easily one might access that comic. Moon Knight watchers will not become Moon Knight readers. This is due to an aversion to reading, or perhaps this is due to an aversion to reading in general. Perhaps this is due to an aversion to any stories not in canon with the universe one loves. I won't criticize MCU fans for either of these faults, given how common they are among comic readers, too. So, essentially, they just go through and talk about how the the live action movies and television shows of the MCU are just sort of inherently inferior to the comic product mm -hmm. and always will be. And moreover, they make some, as you can see, pretty substantial statements as far as not just comic books, but the people who may or may not read them. And what I think is interesting is that when I started this with you about four months ago now. It was mm -hmm. specifically because I implicitly disagree with everything this poster's saying. <laughs> I, yeah. I believe that comic books are actually really interesting. And there's there's a lot of different ones out there. 
but Moon Knight's pretty much a, a mainstream superhero comic. It's very traditional superhero fare, right? Mm-hmm. We could have gone with something that was different that would have been, you know, um, you know, the, more like the Sandman type thing, some of the old Vertigo books that are a little bit more um, esoteric and the like. But this is pretty mainstream stuff. And I've been really impressed with the fact that, you know, we've been able to just have fun. You immediately got into it. And I think that what it proves to me is the problem is not comics. You know, I'm, I'm a historian studying comic books and doing comic studies. And comics in America were really one of the major popular art forms in the early part of the 20th century. You know, there were directors who joked about they couldn't get a table at a, at a restaurant, but their friend the cartoonist could, right? Um, you get into the 30s, the late 30s and the 40s, comic books are massive. Like they said, something like 80 to 90% of all kids read comic books. And a lot of GIs read comics, and when they came back, they continued reading them into their late 20s. Comic books have been a popular art form. Comic strips in the newspapers have been a popular art form. In fact, I would would suspect that there are a number of newspapers that were kept alive by their people buying them just to get the comics. Well after just being a news outlet, they wouldn't have made it. right? Right. So I think that comics are not the problem. The problem is the direct market. The problem is killing off Doctor Strange two weeks before you release a movie with Doctor Strange in it. Right. The problem is that there has never been any real attempt to make these things accessible and to sort of bring people around in a way where folks can experience comics, they can have a chance to really get to enjoy them, and... There's not, you know, a lot of the the gatekeeping and the expense. I mean, even if somebody wants to read comics, four bucks a pop for 20 pages of art that takes you 10 minutes to to read. It's, you're not going to buy. Like when I was a kid, I bought 15, 20 comic books back when they were like 50 cents or whatever. And I don't know there's a lot of people these days who are young who can afford that. Right. So what do you think about this article? I, uh, I, I... I disliked this article and how I felt after I got done reading it. I, I, I challenged the notion on whether whether comic books are actually accessible. And and I because I've tried before and it and it took basically some hand holding by you to get me into comics. And and I I I think it's I think it's difficult to, to say that, you know, they're, they're, they could be as accessible as, as anything because they are what they are. And, and, and so like, it, it, it seems, it seems easy to say that and, and you don't have to actually back it up with any sort of back, back up to it. And, and, and the other thing is like, I, I don't, I think people like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they don't have time. Or the desire to spend a lot of effort to go in and try and read comics. And so this is like, I want to get an idea of what's going on in that world without without going to the comics. And I don't think they should be indicted for that. I don't think every person that is a fan of the MCU is going to become a comic book fan. I, I think that there's... That is absolutely true. There, there's definitely, you'd like it there to be. 
you you definitely would want it to be but i don't think that that's actually reasonable i think the the time investment and and just the cost investment different things like that are going to are going to keep people from it and and looking down on another medium because of that i think is is very narrow-minded yeah and it really is i mean the it is a medium it's not a genre the other interesting thing is that you know even as folks talk about that i think i also showed you something uh, like last week that the comic market has exploded you know comics grew like 65 percent over the last year right yeah it's just not superhero comics right because nothing's being done to really attract young people to them so um you know like dave pilkey's dogman people look down at that but i think so was something like what 10 percent of all comics in the world sold last year were dog were, were um dogman comics uh-huh. um you know you've got all of these different types of comics and superheroes are just one of them also though i think a lot of people don't realize just how unaccessible comic book movies were just 20 years ago oh yeah right yeah Try they were get... bad they, well, they were but... difficult they were difficult to get into because they they had a lot of in in, in book references and things like that and stories and characters and ideas that that if you didn't know that stuff you wouldn't be able to get anything out of them well i i think it's even more than that it was just that they were bad it was that it was that there was there was a time when comics ran from what they were and really one of the things the mcu has done that's most important is just said hey we're making comic book movies and so they're giving us the long form story they're giving us the continuity they're giving us all that other stuff and the more they come like comic books the better they are and the more yeah. people like them mm-hmm. um but yeah i i just in general i don't like it when people because because this is exactly what happened to us with books for for most of my youth comic books were considered to be the sort of thing that somebody who doesn't want to take the time to read a book well, maybe they'll read a comic book, but that's not a real book. And now uh, we're looking at the fact that if you don't want to read a comic book, you can watch the movie, but that's not a real comic book, right? And the simple fact is different mediums, books have different advantages than comics. Comics have different advantages than movies. Movies have different advantages than books. And there really are going to be some people who prefer one or another format. But I do truly believe that if comics were easy to get to and and people kind of knew what was out there you'd find a substantial number of people who would relax and read a few comic books every week yeah i I, you brought up the point that that i mean the whole the whole premise of this show is because there's groups of people out there like me who would have never read this comic and would and would be interested because of this thing that's coming this tv mm-hmm. show that's coming and they'd probably get something out of out of becoming a comic book fan and so i i am now a comic book fan and Yay. i did not think that i did not think that was the thing that was going to happen but it is <laughs> that that is where we are um with, with this. so so there we go all right. So that's really all we had there as far as a lot of the news and the like. I think uh, we probably should 
continue on to uh, to actually talking about some uh, some Moon Knight comics. Yes, so kind of what we're here for. So yes. All right, so yeah, let's jump into the stack for this week. What is in the stack for this week, Dan? Stack for this week. All we're going to do is essentially go through one storyline. Um, it's going to be the Marvel Moon Knight. It's volume seven, according to my reckoning. Some people, of course, drop Mark Spector Moon Knight in as volume two or three, and then this would be eight, but I go with seven. Um, it's issues number one through 17, and essentially, though, it's three different kind of look and feels because we start out with Warren Ellis for six issues, then we go to Brian Wood for six issues, and then Colin Bunn finishes it up. Might even be seven what i can't remember um but but so in any case it, it did uh, feel like it did feel like there was kind of three separate kind yep. of sets of books they, they uh really based on really the ba based on the creative team that was behind them so yep. why why don't we start out by talking about the issues one through six sure so this uh is a six book run of individual stories uh, by warren ellis and declan shelby acts as sort of our formal introduction to the Mr. Knight altar. Um, this is also the first time we actually technically hear the term DID, or Dissociative Identity Disorder, used in reference to Moon Knight. Um, in book one, we see Mr. Knight consulting with Detective Flint on a set of murders. After examining the newest body, uh, Mr. Knight heads down underground, confronts and defeats a former soldier and agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who's killing people and then essentially taking parts of their body and using them to augment his own to make himself stronger. Yeah. Um, he, he's essentially trying to be a hero and uh, doing it kind of bad job of it. Yeah. Um, next, Moon Knight is tasked with taking down a sniper in issue two who's killing seemingly random people. It turns out those people were in fact the handlers of the sniper while he'd worked for the government. Moon Knight then takes on a band of ghosts in issue three they're roaming the streets, and in his first encounter with them, he gets beat up pretty badly and is not able to touch them at all. He then puts on some uh, new armor, essentially Egyptian Khonshu relic-type robes, uh, before taking on the ghosts again. This time he's able to defeat a couple of the ghosts, and then also follows the others back to a warehouse, where there's a music box that seems to have been causing the souls of a group of gang members to roam the streets. Yeah. So... Uh, those those first three books were kind of interesting. I, I it was it, the the first first appearance of Mister Knight was right away at book one, and and like I had read about Mister Knight when we saw the poster uh, a few weeks back be, for the for the show, and and like there was a description somebody had given as to who Mister Knight was, and it made no sense. And literally in like two panels, they basically explained it to me in this in this book. It was it was Detective Flint. Basically, there was this cop and Detective Flint, and the cops like, "Hey, here's Moon Knight." He's like, "No, that's not Moon Knight. That's Mister Knight. He's a concerned citizen that we're gonna ask to get some help with." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. That's that's Moon Knight. No, it's not Moon Knight. If it was Moon Knight, I'd have to arrest him because of all the stuff that he's done in the past. This is Mister Knight. He's here to help." That is correct. So, so yeah, pretty pretty sneaky. Yeah, but, uh, 
so he, he looks pretty spiffy, though. They did a nice job with him. Um, for those who haven't read the comics, looks an awful lot like the TV show costume. Yes. Uh, essentially just a, a pure white suit with a, a white mask covering his face and then the, the moon symbol on his forehead. So there there yeah. is one one note at the end of that first book that is doesn't it seems kind of throwaway uh it, it is where we see the reference uh to dissociative disorder uh is mark specter starts seeing a therapist yep and and we like i say it, it seems like it's not that big a deal but it ends up being actually a really big deal by by the middle set of these books. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, like, early on in these books, we don't see Jean-Paul or Marlene. And we do see, like, new gadgets and stuff. Like, he's got this crescent wing flyer that he's now flying around on because he doesn't have his own separate pilot or anything like that like we've seen previously. Mm-hmm. So he's oh. he's very much a loner in the in these books. He, he is, and and as a note, the the doctor, the therapist he's talking to, does diagnose that he doesn't actually have DID in the book. That's that's mm-hmm. right. Good news is you don't have dissociative identity disorder. It goes on to talk about a bunch of stuff, and instead, essentially, comes out and tells him the bad news is you have brain damage, which. Is never really dealt with much other than the fact that what she essentially says is by being inhabited by this extra dimensional thing, the conchu, uh, it has essentially changed your brain in fundamental ways. Um, so that is a very different look at it than what we're going to have as we move along. It's definitely a different look, obviously, than what the show's going with. So, right. uh, but these in, in general none of these kind of connect to each other really in, in hardly any way at all. No. Uh, and in fact, I was watching a, um, a YouTube video um, where Elsa Chartier, who's a, a really, really good artist, also interviews um, sometimes other creators and does like drawing things. And she was talking to Declan Shelby. And among other things, he talked about how any one of these six issues could technically have been an issue number one. And I think that's true, that there really wasn't that much connecting tissue. You could have taken any of the six issues of the Ellis Shelby um, set that starts this out and arranged them in whatever order, and they would have made just as much sense. Yeah. So why, why don't you hit the second half of that of the of those books, four through six? Sure. Um, number four, Mr. Knight's approached by a doctor who's looking for help trying to determine what's causing his patients to go crazy. Um, He's a sleep doctor who's studying sleep patterns and the like. Uh, Mr. Knight agrees to stay a night at his clinic. And during that night, um, Mr. Knight actually deals with a bunch of weird dreams that cause him to attack the doctor. We come to learn that one of the doctor's first patients had died at the clinic due to a fungal infection, and he buried the body in the storage room, and that that fungus that now has become the problem because it's sort of the spores are going out and infesting people's dreams and causing them to have these shared nightmares. Right. Um, next issue, Mr. Knight then rescues a kidnapped girl named Scarlet, who's a pawn in the game between some rival crime families. And in the last story of the run, a cop who's not happy with Moon Knight consulting with the police, who is actually, I believe, the guy that Flint was talking to it back in the first issue, Yep. Um, hatches a plan to kill off 
the man who is Moon Knight, and replace him. So after reviewing his police file, the cop interviews Jean-Paul and Marlene, and then sets up a trap to try and ambush Moon Knight. Mr. Knight shows up instead, and the car bomb trap that the cop has set doesn't work the way he intended, instead doing far more damage to the cop than to Mr. Knight. So... There was, I, I mean, there's some interesting stuff here, but like there, as there wasn't a lot of substance to these books, almost, be, almost none. Uh, be, yeah, beyond beyond the introduction of Mister Knight, it felt like none of these had much dialogue in them. None of them had very much complexity to them. It was just Moon Knight figures out and solves a problem, whatever that is, and and like. The most complex story, I think, was that last story with the, with the cop, and, yep. and and that one actually had you know potentially a tie to the to the first issue. But there was there yeah there there was nothing there that really resonated, I guess, to me. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that you know there were a lot of stories like this back in say the seventies where you had standalone comics, and the idea was. Anybody could just pick one up and read one, and it's an interesting story. I think these kind of are that, that you really wouldn't need to know hardly anything about Moon Knight or about comics to just sit down and read one of these stories and be able to understand it. But also, there's a number of villains in this that we don't get a whole lot of an idea what they were, what their motivation is, or why they're doing it, or get any real, you know, sort of like complexities to it. It's mostly just a boom, we're going. Yeah. There is two things I wanted to note that I was wondering if you'd noticed. First off, did you notice Moon Knight's coloring in these? He was very white. He like, is entirely almost, white. Yeah. They um, evidently, um, what they did is he, Shelby wanted it to be completely white so that essentially the only shading is any shading he did. And the colorist fought him on it a little bit initially, but they kind of figured it out. And so if you look at any of the books of these first ones, there is no color whatsoever inside the outline of Mr. Knight's suit. Hmm. It is all just white, which is really kind of unusual. And it does make hmm. the character really pop in those. Um, the other thing, did you happen to notice, and maybe it's just me, it seems like each of these is almost like a meditation on one of the early villains or stories from Moon Knight. Because if you look at like the first issue with the guy who ends up essentially having body parts replaced and the like, well, that's kind of like the Midnight Man or like Midnight, right? You know, that he's got all of that um, Android stuff. Number two, almost seems like a dark version of Mark Spector himself, or maybe Randall Spector. You know, somebody who was a, a CIA hitman, that sort of stuff, and then comes back and tries to get some vengeance. The gang, or the music box in number, uh, in the third issue, I had to go back and check the name of the gang member who had the music box that he pawned mm -hmm. off in like issue 31 to make right. sure that wasn't a continuation of the same story. And those guys do have different names. But I think that the fact that it's kind of a punk gang with a music box, it's hard to believe that isn't him playing on that story from right after Sienkiewicz left. Um, right. It's a Kevin Nolan story. I think it was like 31 and 32. Mm -hmm. 
The sleep spores could be Morpheus. Right. Scarlet, there's nothing to do with it except the name of the story is Scarlet. So that seems like a, you know, at least a, a wink to that. And then like, like you mentioned, Black Spectre is kind of very similar. You know, the guy who wants to be able to replace Moon Knight is much the same thing. So it's, it's weird that it, it's kind of like all of his main villains with little stories kind of told him. Yeah, he yeah the 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 cop actually calls himself Black Spectre mm-hmm. because because he he saw that that was kind of what he was trying to do too, and so he kind of took that name, it despite you know being not Carson Knowles and and all that sort of thing. Oh. But it was it it was really interesting. Um, I had not made that connection, but yeah, the the names of the of the issues and stuff. I like issue two was called Spectre. Yep. And, and and so it was I, I did not make those connections immediately but yeah now that you mention it that 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 definitely does and uh the white by the way the coloring with the character it, it, in book five near the end of the book this is the one where he's rescuing the 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 girl uh he actually tells the last goon tell everyone when you see me coming run and oh. and like he is literally like white as the moon there and just beacon <laughs> so it's yep. like you could you could see him so <laughs> yeah the the color of the guy that he's coming up to too is like completely red cuz he's totally just blood <laughs> and i think right. his leg is going completely backwards it's kind of it's not he's going to have medical bills I, yes. I hope he's got good insurance so anyway okay so our middle books in this run from number 7 to 12, written by Brian Wood, drawn by Greg Smallwood. Uh, you still have the Declan Shelby covers, uh, which go all the way through the series, giving it a nice, consistent look and feel on those really cool covers. Um, Smallwood is a spectacular artist. Really like him a lot, and his stuff actually really complements what Shelby did. So there's there's a nice kind of... It's not a jarring move between no, them at all. definitely um, not. Main thing I just wanted to note, though, before we get going, is that, uh, unfortunately, sort of like Warren Ellis, Brian Wood also has been accused of sexual misconduct by a number of um, women in the comic industry. And so if you want to learn more about it, you can certainly go out, um, look it up on the Internet, just to, as kind of a, a note to folks who like to know that sort of stuff before they get into particular stories or creators. Uh, this is another unfortunately incident where Wood has some, you know, he's been around for a long time. Uh, he's got a lot of comics out there. But right now he is living under a bit of a cloud as well. I don't believe that most of the allegations and the like against him have really been resolved. So I don't think he's getting much work in comics these days. So, but with that, Dwayne, do you want to tell us a little bit about these books? Yeah, we we've got we've got six books to go through, and unlike the first set, this is a six book story arc, an entire single story told across all six books, and it's regarding a visiting general who is set to speak at the United Nations. In the first book, Moon Knight is actually trying to stop a sniper from killing the general, and after tracking and taking down the sniper, Moon Knight finds on him a phone, and if the familiar voice of his therapist asking if the general has been killed. That seems weird. That seems very weird. Uh, In the next book, Moon Knight infiltrates a hostage situation at One World Trade Center, 
Uh, Moon Knight's able to take down the hostage taker before anything bad happens to the prisoners, but then also decides to hurt the guy, separating his shoulder, breaking his arm, a bunch of other stuff, after he was no longer a threat. And while the cameras of some of the prisoners were on him. Uh, so Flint tells Moon Knight that he's going to have to take him into custody as well as the hostage taker when he comes down. So Moon Knight sends him down and then vanishes. Uh, we, we do end up learning that the hostage taker was a former employee who had been trying to bring attention to the comp- his company and a chemical they were using in third world countries that was causing birth defects. So a bit more complicated than just how it looks straightforward. But I want to, I want, I, wait, wait, let's stop just for a minute here because uh, book eight was really cool. And the, the, this hostage story was told by way of rather than regular panels, it was screens or cameras or live shots that mm-hmm. were, that were kind of showing us the story and telling us the story as to what was going on as opposed to just regular comic book panels it was it was really interesting there was like you know cell phone you know cameras there was like tv news camera feeds there was drone images there was you know surveillance cameras inside the building it was it was just not your standard looking issue but it it ended up being really really interesting yep really cool design um a lot of the pages, a lot of them were completely black except for the images that were, you know, like the the cell phone things where that's, you know, multiple images on a page and the like. Had kind of a, a cinematic feel to a certain degree about it, but then also just very different because like the the phone image ones are vertical panels and then most of the other ones are, are horizontals, that sort of stuff. Um, it, also, it, also, did you note Moon Knight now has a slightly different costume? We don't see it much that. in the first ones. He's got a lot of black on his costume now, where he didn't really before. They changed that. That actually got changed up in the first issues, but he was Mr. Knight so much of the time he didn't see it much. But yeah. he's got a, a much different costume in this one, uh, where a good part of the costume is black, which is weird because that had always kind of been his thing, is I want him to see me coming in the lake. Right, right. Um, I think it was actually more of a, a choice by the artist to just want to be able to have more contrast instead of the full white suit than it was uh, anything story related. So. so it was interesting as I was reading these first two books, I didn't realize that there was this kind of continuation of the story because that it did feel a little bit different and I didn't get how these stories necessarily connected. But we, as we keep going, Mark ends up confronting his therapist in book nine and they end up having a hypnosis session which goes over not only Mark's past, but also the therapist's. We learn that the woman's family, as well as the rest of the village that she's from, was killed when she was a young girl, and she blames the general, this General Lore, who is visiting the United Nations. She wants to end his life like he ended all of those people in her village. Uh, Mark says he can't be recruited for this task, but the therapist shares that she wants the help of Khonshu to take out the general. Kanchu seemingly agrees, leaving Spectre's body as Spectre awakens from the hypnosis session and still trying to understand what is happening. Mm-hmm. Spectre barely escapes the building he's in before it blows up. 
seen a few blow-ups, uh, buildings yep. blow up over the course of things. Uh, therapist, now with the aid of Khonshu, tries to recruit a security guard from the United Nations to take out the general as he's set to arrive. Mark Spector actually is the one that ends up spoiling this attempt by putting himself between the general and the guard and is arrested before the assassination attempt could play out. Spectre is then drugged, beaten, and locked up, and he's told that the doctor, his therapist, has filed paperwork so they can hold him indefinitely. Uh, another prisoner then shanks Spectre, and he gets brought to the infirmary where he attempts an escape, only to then realize that he's aboard a plane and must jump without a parachute in order to escape. So at the end of this issue, he is literally falling from a plane with no yep. parachute and yep. seemingly no way to survive. Um, it's not a great place to be in. Yep. <laughs> no. It's a little weird. But I wanted to talk briefly about the fact that we had literally Khonshu, like, abandoned Spectre and said, you know what? I, I want to help, help this woman enact revenge mm-hmm. on, on this general. And just, that's, I think, that's, that's definitely, I think, the first time we've seen that happen. Um, yeah across all of the books and you know he's he's i remember in volume five he's kind of talked like he thought kanshu kind of sort of abandoned him but i i don't know if that's actually what happened and so he he definitely didn't like embody another person as their avatar and then kind of helped them do what they were trying to do to enact revenge no i i think that you know, they, there's always been kind of that tension, and sometimes Conchu's angry at most of the time. He's he's angry at Spectre because he's not doing enough, being violent enough, etc. He's not he's not Bushman the way that Conchu right. wants him to be. Similarly, Spectre is often cranky at Conchu and says, "Just leave me alone." <laughs> I already yeah. been a couple of times. He's like tried to kick him and stuff yeah. like this, and. Um, so they have their they have their spats, but I, this is the first time we've really seen a a severing of the relationship. Right. They essentially go their other ways, at least for that point. So, yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. This this is a really good story. What yeah. What happens at the end? What happens at the end, Dwayne? So, yeah. So in the final book of this arc, starts with Spectre convincing Kanchu to save him as he's falling to his death. Uh, presumably from this airplane. Uh, Kanchu does agree, and Spectre is then found by a fisherman in some unknown location. Spectre then reaches out to this blogger that he knows in New York and gets financial help to get back to New York. Uh, She agrees to do this in exchange for an exclusive story of everything that's going on. He travels back to New York and, dressed as Mr. Knight, goes to the hotel where the general is staying and is currently being held by the therapist. We learn, um, through the dealings both with uh, Mr. Knight and the blogger and that, that the therapist is actually the daughter of the country's dictator who was overthrown by this general that she now wants to kill. Mr. Knight confronts her with this and... and uh, tells her what actually is going on, and and there's a little back and forth there, but we we don't really see. He didn't really like beat her up anything. He just the the story just sort of ends presumably with him saving saving the general. Well, and I think it's also important that you know when she was looking for vengeance initially, it was because her family was killed, 
but it comes out that in actual fact, the thing she wasn't noting is that while her father was in charge of the country, he was funneling massive amounts of money out into his own accounts. And what she really wants is the numbers to those accounts or the ability to get that money. So it's, it's not even as pure as she wants vengeance for her dad. She's like, I want all the cash. So yeah. Um, I really liked this is this is in yeah. fact a, a top tier Moon Knight story just in general for me in terms of the fact that it's got very interesting characters it's got some motivations we haven't seen a bunch of places and the the story twists are excellent yeah and I really think this is you know if, if you haven't already forget everything we've talked about and then go back and read this yeah dear listeners. Because it, it actually is a really good story that um, that, ha- that has a lot of subtlety to it. A lot of interesting stuff going on in it. Yeah, I, I did not see the twist kind of ending or realize that the, ra- the realization of who this woman actually was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought this story was very well paced across all six issues it did, and, and very believable. It, it felt... It, it felt like a movie or a TV show sort of scenario played out over these six books and, and, and was very well done. Uh, the art, art was, was solid as well. And, and I would note Spectre, by the way, did pay back the blogger at the very end. Nope. Uh, just she finds a, a wad of cash in her pocket uh, after bumping into somebody in the, in the middle of New York. So, um, I, for some reason, feel like we've seen that blogger before, by the way. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out where it was. Be, she has this sad blogger mug and just, I, I, I went looking, I looked, and, and I think I remember a panel where this blogger was talking about the fact that she had seen surveillance footage of Moon Knight in Los Angeles talking to himself but and thinking it was captain america wolverine and spider-man and i can't for the life of me find where that panel was what book that was from and it's driving me absolute bonkers so we'll have to look i i don't i didn't go looking for that i I, didn't realize that yeah i didn't think she was from anywhere that we knew i so yeah, if there, uh, I also thought maybe it was the same blogger as the the one that Black Widow confronted in the Secret Avengers fifteen about the you know Bucky Barnes being alive. It I don't think that actually was the one, but there was something I like. I don't know if it's just all the comic books I've read over the last couple of months, but I have in this head in my head a vision of this panel of this blogger that I think is the same one, but I don't know. And I can't for the life of me find it anymore. So there you go. For right. If anybody knows where it is, please let me know. And you will let make me feel know. a lot. You will make me feel a lot better that I'm not in fact going crazy and making up panels in my own head. There you go. Cool. All right. So anything else on that? I mean, other than, you know, Solid stories. Um, it was interesting, I think, again, kind of like you said, that you know they picked up something, at least, from those first six and sort of turned it into a thread for the next part of it. Uh, so that was kind of nice. All right, so next we've got the final, f- 
five issues, number 13 to 17. Uh, these are written by new, or have a new creative team. We've got Colin Bunn writing. We've got Ron Atkins on uh, pencils. The rest of the team is Tom Palmer on inks, Dan Brown on colors, and Travis Latham as the letterer. Um, issue number 13, we see a story where Moon Knight is actually following these bloody spectral footprints, and he ends up saving a bunch of souls that are somehow being captured by this gang in these weird Pokeball-type devices. And the only explanation we have for this is that they believe that people will buy anything, and uh -huh. that somehow there's a market for souls in these weird little balls. Yeah. Um, in any case, um, Moon Knight ends up essentially knocking out all of the bad guys and then freeing all these souls, and they kind of stand there and uh, look up to him and say thank you and the like. Uh, the next issue has him saving a number of dogs from a trainer who has been training them to essentially um, like smell rich people's clothes and the like and attack and, and kill rich people. Um, the dogs are then ended up being turned back on their own owner and they essentially devour them. Um, number 15, we do get kind of an interesting turn where Moon Knight tracks down and kills this boogeyman kind of guy. Um, the Conchu specifically does not want him to bother. Conchu's like, ah, this is not our business. But he's wow. like, no, this, this guy is terrorizing, you know, my, my people at night. That's what I do. I've got to take care of this. Um, so he gets the creature as it's attempting to kill this girl, uh, and as it's dying, the creature actually asks Moon Knight why it is that Conchu has abandoned it. And that is never really further developed. We don't see anything other than Evidently, Conchu's out there sponsoring random monster violence, and we, we don't hear much about it for whatever reason. Right. Um, so, next one then, because um, that's not really further developed uh, in these issues. Number 16, uh, our hero stops a bunch of kidnappers who are capturing people. They, they fly down with these glider wing things, grab people, and then take them through the city lock them up, and plan to sacrifice them as prisoners to their raptor goddess who will essentially eat them and then make the people who are capturing them angels. Um, Moon Knight defeats them as well. We never really find out a lot about whether these folks yeah. are just crazy or what this what this cult is about or anything. It's a little weird. It, was a little it weird. is a little weird. Um, yeah. Number 17, also a little odd, in that this features the return of Princess Nephthys, did you recognize her? Do you remember that? Not initially, no. I did not either. And then I had to go back and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. But this is the woman who was like a scientist of some sort who teamed up with Randall Specter and managed to make the clone of Randall right. Specter that was okay. then killed by Moon Knight way back in the day while for reasons the regular Randall Specter remained hidden with her. And they, they kind of had that... Um, what were they? Something of the moon cult or whatever. Um, they've got kind of the same thing again. Now she has another cult where she is bringing in homeless people and the like, and then her priests are sort of murdering them for Kanchu. Um, for some reason, she thinks her and Moon Knight are now married, and he did infiltrate the cult to try and find out where people were disappearing. He nearly got killed doing that, and then only was saved sort of 
when she's like, only when you revealed yourself was I aware that our union was at hand. And he goes, I do not remember this at all. <laughs> Fights her and then burns down her her place. And maybe her. He did say run before he started yeah. the fire. So hope she's probably fine. Um, so... These last two books were a little weird. I'm not going to lie. It, yeah. it sort of just kind of, it's so weird to me. And, and I wanted to ask you something about this. So we had, we had this, these books at the beginning, these six books that were very kind of independent from one another. As you said, Declan Shelby basically said any of them could, they could have been in pretty much any order. We had this really interesting, cohesive narrative complex interesting story in the middle of books and then we kind of went back to these single issue less interesting less complex less um developed stories at the end and like i get that storytelling is hard and and like but even some of the best books that we've had this doesn't sound are... like a happy critique you no no through, no it's just it, no like i i <laughs> I just, I guess I'm curious how it goes from, like, how, how do they go from, like, these single issues that aren't very interesting or very well developed to this really nice, great story of really well developed characters, very interesting, and then just go back to that. It just, it just sort of feels weird and feels very inconsistent across this run of books. This is the life of a comic book fan. I mean, okay. The sad fact is that there are there are stories that are spectacular and then there's stories that are just not and sometimes you know you get you get creators who are really in touch with a character and do a great job and then somebody else comes on and they just don't have it you know you you've watched a lot of the daredevil stuff you're kind of a fan of daredevil yeah i will say that daredevil has this as bad as any character where there okay. are some there are some daredevil runs that are among the best things that have been done in comics in 30, 40 years. And there are some Daredevil runs that I simply cannot get through, right? Um, okay. And so you do just sort of have to take the good to the, with the bad for, to a certain extent. But this is a weird series just in that usually, yeah, you do have kind of a, a theme where just the way that books are being made at the time, either you're in a you know, monster of the week, one-offs kind of period, or you're in a writing stuff for the trade period, that we bounced between that in 17 books this this crazily is kind of strange. Um, I, I found these to be really uneven. And it's strange because if you'd have asked me before we started the reread, and I think even after my first reread, because I was just... When I read through them all again in December, I was going relatively quick and just, I would have placed this run way above the Bendis run. And now after going back and thinking about them and actually having to write stuff down, I placed this way below the Bendis run. Yeah, I, I would I would do the same thing. Like as, as good as that middle story was, the outer like 10, 11 books mm -hmm. just... There's there's nothing to them like it it's the th like even even book fifteen where we had this very interesting 
reveal at the end of this creature asking why Kanshu has abandoned him after, you know, Moon Knight comes in, shoots him up with guns because apparently without Kanshu's uh, consent, that's the only way he can kill things. It just, I'm like, well, okay, what's, I, I was fully expecting book 16 or 17 to go into that some more. Like, you know, have them talk about this. Like, shouldn't Spectre, like the first thing Spectre does, go back to Kanji and be like, hey, what the heck, buddy? What are you doing? This makes, yep. you know, and it's like, it's like you gave yourself an interesting story hook and then you just decided not to take it. And And I think that is... These stories didn't necessarily always have beginnings and they didn't necessarily always have endings. And even if they did, a lot of times it was almost like, I know there were a couple of times I'm, I'm rereading these. It's just easier to reread them on the, on the iPad. So I'm going through in Marvel Unlimited. And I know there were at least a couple of these books where I got to the last page and I kept trying to swipe to the next page because I'm like, we can't be done. That's not, that's not an ending. That's a mostly ending. We got to have... <laughs> something else right yeah so yeah anyway but I, but so these were these were odd i i was i my my other question was going to be are there other heroes or other characters in marvel that are have experience have similar storytelling inconsistencies and you mentioned daredevil being one so i guess it's it All this isn't them. out of the norm it's it's 100 percent the nature of you know, comic books are a, especially when you're, when you're dealing with the ones where they're coming out every month on a schedule. Sometimes you're going to have spectacular storytelling and people with a plan. And sometimes you're going to have books where, you know, something needs to come out this month and they find somebody and they've got an idea. And, you know, the, the Cullen Bunn books aren't bad. The Ellis books aren't bad. No. Um, the Ellis books have some cool ideas, you know, that we're going to talk about, but they definitely didn't really have, it sounds like a great, I don't know what you'd call it, like, like some reason for writing these books, you know, where they, where they came up with a great story hook and a feel. Um, so that said, I do have to ask you a question. So. The last one of these stories, we've got Princess Nephthys. She says she's like married to Mark Spector. Could could this be the wife? Is is <laughs> May Kalemway's character going to be some some evil, you know, servant of Kanchu who's messed up everything and is dear uh, gosh, I hope not. And he's dear not he's not gosh, I hope not. This is our out for him not being married and still being there. You go, Mark Mark Specter, the uh, you know, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. But I, I did find it interesting that they brought her back. That had been a long time. Last we saw her, uh, she was being chased. Punisher was on like his motorcycle, shooting up everything, including That's all right. of her people. And I thought her, but comics so i'm sure she got better right so yeah it's like case. the council of the moon or something if i remember right was yeah. like the name of the of the cult that that she yeah. was leading with randall specter who who was supposed to be dead but was that was actually like a clone or something that had gone crazy and then the yeah. real mark specter goes crazy so yeah, yeah. i don't know it, it's so like overall i think these books were were okay um 
if it, I don't think there's necessarily if you're looking for content that are like looking for books that you should read to to talk through like the aspects of the show. I don't know that there's necessarily anything here, but there are some interesting things that I think we saw in here that have made it into the show. Mm-hmm. What, Absolutely. Where 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 do you want to start with that? Well, I mean, Mister Knight is is obviously there, and I think you did a good job of showing that. If somebody wants to understand a little bit of how that character came about, issue number one of this does actually have a pretty good explanation of how Moon Knight ends up with another costume, right? Yeah. So that actually, you know, that's in there and it's cool. Um, also, the different types of armor that he sometimes wears, like the bird armor, mm-hmm. that I think is something we could very easily see as things move along a little bit more. Um that's actually kind of cool, you know, the different raiments where he's then, uh, by wearing the bird armor, that puts him more in touch with the spiritual realms, and he was able to do things he wasn't otherwise. And then I think just in general, Conchu's appearance, this oh, seems yeah. more like the television show Conchu in terms of appearance than anything else we've seen so far. Yeah, so. I, I was... Like the some of the first, like I think it was in book one even, uh, the first appearance of Kanchu in there, and he's talking to him, and I'm like, wow, this this looks and feels exactly like the TV show, and yeah. and or very very close, and, and that repeated several times throughout throughout this this run of books, uh, and was like, yeah, this, so definitely it feels like some inspiration for. For how he looks on the TV show, and and, and that uh, it may have been pulled from from here. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are the what are the important reads or good reads from from this from this set? I think in terms of the ones I liked, really the the main ones I would be interested in in terms of kind of rereading. I think the first issue or two, just because of kind of. You know, establishing the Mr. Knight character were kind of interesting. And and the stories weren't bad. They just didn't really they didn't really build anything big in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, especially even because you kind of need a little bit about the therapist to understand better what's going on in the other ones. Like maybe issues one and two and seven through twelve make a pretty good story and yeah. get you most of the information you need from these. Um again though, I mean it's a it's a main Moon Knight run with pretty good art. I like Shelby. I like Smallwood, all of that. I would recommend reading all of it if you're a Moon Knight fan. But you don't need to if you're just trying to, you know, understand the, the show. For the show. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think the 7 through 12 story involving the therapist in general was, was a really good read and something worth checking out, I think. Seeing Spectre talking with Khonshu in all of these books you know it's going to remind you of the tv show and so i think there's something for that and then i just would say specifically look at book eight and and how different that one feels just because of how they decided to tell that story through through camera shots and live feeds and drone Mm -hmm. images and that versus versus just your standard comic book uh you know panel art and and I really liked the way that one looked. There was a lot of uh, 
you mentioned a lot of dead space on the pages where there wasn't any art it was just black or it was just white or whatever but the the parts that that did contain art i think were were really really good and and i and i thought the story on that in that uh in that book in particular was was really interesting yep i agree it's a cool one all right i don't know i've got a whole lot else on these to talk about um this is i will note that the covers were spectacular though just to reiterate um i love number 17's cover especially it's got almost like a stained glass window with mr knight and moon knight and then the bird armor all kind of in different panels mm-hmm. and i would i would love a poster of that that's that's just sweet so anyway um why don't you, uh, if you, if you could, go ahead and take us into, uh, we got a little bit of listener mail this year, uh, this week, so. All right, last week we talked about, uh, we asked all of you a poll question. We wanted to get some information from you about whether or not you had read Moon Knight comics before you started listening to the show. We, we got a couple pieces of feedback. I think we're, we're still looking for more on, on that, so mm-hmm. please reach out to us. Uh, via Twitter or via our email address with with uh, some thoughts on that, but we did get a very nice email from Brett uh, regarding his, his his background with Moon Knight. He he had uh, read some Moon Knight before listening to the show, and and actually made a suggestion that we uh, talk about Dare or go into the Daredevil series. So and and that's definitely something I'm interested in. I don't know if that's where we're going to go next, but. Uh, but yes, your your suggestion, Brett, was heard and very much appreciated because it has been one of the characters we've talked about uh, off show about where we might where we might go from here. I did go in and start looking at the number of books that you're dealing with there, though, and holy moly, Moon Knight! <laughs> I, I will I will note by the way that uh, might be as good a time as any to just note if any of you have friends that you are interested in getting into like superhero comics, Moon Knight is actually, or someone like Moon Knight actually seems to be a pretty good option. You know, a character that's been around a long time, the advantage he has is that he's not really been in a bunch of teams. He doesn't have three or four of his own book going at one time. He's sort of been a presence through most of the last 50 years of the Marvel Universe, but not to the point where you've got to read 2,000 books to be able to actually be able to complete it and so right. looking around for some of those characters that maybe are uh you know we'd call them the b or c list heroes but the ones that have been around that have relatively been able to keep their um their books going but not maybe uh be too big a part of things and actually daredevil is one of those he's got a lot of appearances but in relative terms he's you know, compared to spider-man or punisher <laughs> stuff like that yeah it's relatively easy so yeah anyway there we go all right so let's let's look ahead to next week what are we what is in the stack for next week oh man next week should be exciting so what we're doing next week is essentially starting out with all new all different moon Knight. it's volume eight this one comes from 2016 and this is issues number 1 through 14, uh, which are led off by Lemire and Smallwood 
doing their Welcome to New Egypt run. Which, yeah, this, this is going to be a pretty big one. Um, I am really interested at this point to see if literally we just collide with the television series, because I think we might do it's, that. It's sort of, based on that description, it sort of does feel like that's what's going to happen. So um, it's, it's really good stuff, though. I was actually kind of, you know, and again, even from when I read them in December, I've been now reading up on DID a little bit. You know, there's, uh, there's resources like that the Into the Night podcast has made available on DID and, and things like this. It's weird to me how much it's changed just over the last while and how they're trying to do it in the show and how they're probably going to get it wrong in the show as well. This, this series, though, is almost certainly at this point a very important part of being ready for the television film. And, and luckily, nice. we're going to get to it just about at the time we need to. So nice. there you go. That works out perfectly. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. We would love it if you'd stick around with us as we continue our journey through the story of Moon Knight. We recommend you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice where you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. Uh, if you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It'll help others find the show. You can send us questions or feedback on the show via email. It is questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements, or to interact with us on social media, you can do so on Twitter. We are at Phases of MK. Oh, I am looking forward to these books, Dan. And and episode three, which we will do a recap of and, and release this Friday. So until then. Yeah. Fun times. Sounds good. We'll see you all sometime next week. Take care, everybody.